hello there, and welcome to episode number 10 of the Musical Connections podcast, and I'm your host, Zach Snow. Now, you're wondering why I'm releasing this on a Tuesday. Well, this will be when I drop podcast going forward, and that also affects newfound releases as well. That'll be covering Sunday to Saturday for that week, and uh, the deadline will be the Sunday before uh, the episode drops that following Tuesday. Make sure to expect Musical Connections podcast on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Coming out every Tuesday at 12 noon, Newfoundland Standard Time. And with the first episode on uh, on Tuesdays, we have a great guest lined up, and her name is Caroline Fowler. You may know her as Carolina East. We have that interview coming up right after this week's new found releases. And uh, speaking of the country music genre, we're going to start out with uh, West Coast singer-songwriter and musician Jason Benoit. He's got a brand new song that talks about a pastime in the 1990s, where we would all uh, buy VHSs from a Blockbuster or Jumbo Video, either buy them or rent them, and then uh, we would watch them and uh, we would record onto them to save those memories. Well, uh, in this digital war right now, we don't own much of VHS. And uh, you probably won't be seeing many people buying it. But uh, here's Jason now with a song all about it. This is VHS on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Summer heat of 93 There's a big night in a small town Well, they finally got hitched And they already kissed So they're coming from miles around Well, an uncle in a mullet Sipping on something Talking to the girls next door And sister in a one-piece Dancing in her bare feet Wondering what they're staring for Never would believe it Well, if I didn't see it But I got it about the size of a suitcase and a bandana Never would believe the world before Now, well, if I didn't see it But I got it on VHS Just in the track and got a box full of memories Up in the attic Whenever I'm needing a touch of nostalgia Well, I've got a quick fix Cause I got it on Never saw glasses so big And mama's on the phone with the cord stretched long And she's talking about the neighbor's kids Well, things are never gonna be the same As it was back then But I got it on VHS I fell away the camera About the size of a suitcase and a bandana I never would believe the world before Now, well, if I didn't see it But I got it on VHS I just Dragon got a box full of memories up in the attic Whenever I'm needing a touch of nostalgia Well, I got a quick fix Cause I got it on VHS Yeah, memories The sweetest memories No, I wouldn't trade a
got it on VHS A fella with a camera About the size of a suitcase And a bandana Never would believe the world before Now well if I didn't see it But I got it on VHS Adjusting the track And got a box full of memories Up in the attic Whenever I'm needing a touch of nostalgia Well I got a quick fix Cause I got it on great track there from jason benoit that is vhs and right now we're going to go to uh brazilian born but saint john's residing anna luisa ramos along with eric taylor esquardo they formed the duo anna and eric and they've also managed to notch uh, some solo songs uh under their belt over the past few years since they've been here in newfoundland and labrador right now let's get to a new tune from anna luisa ramos here's flowers on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. The house is not a house, I know. Before you start the days are gone. The streets have become mazes Full of unfamiliar faces The house is disappearing And you've become an island Wrapped in mist and slowly sinking A sunset made of fire
Ramos for you on Musical Connections. That is Flowers. And our next newfound release will be coming from hip-hop artist Decay. And here is a song called Learning to Fly. And, of course, it interpolates the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers classic released back in 1991. With a little help from Chucky B, here's Decay with Learning to Fly on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Well, I'm learning to fly, but I ain't got wings coming down is the hardest thing. When I'm not wasted, I'm losing my patience Sanity driving motivation Lost time and overcompensation Online clocking in my day shift Stupid expectations, fake faces and wild frustration What do I want to be? Why do I suffocate when I'm just trying to breathe? I can't even look at me If only you knew the neurotic man underneath Then you'd see the victim, the man succumb to mad addiction I live inside a mental prison, a realm of hate and no restriction Well, I'm learning to fly Gotta put my best foot forward Can't dwell on the past, it's over I'm trying to battle being sober Turn the fresh corner, find true order So I'm done carrying that dead weight Spent too much time filling my plate It's a difficult road, but I maintain Gotta get myself straight before I go insane Can't make everybody else happy Lace up for the track mate I'm not a crutch, I'm an athlete These beats are my main attraction No slack and I'm done with the mental stress Done with the lack of rest Done with judgmental friends I'ma do what I do the best And take flight from the bottom end Well, I'm learning to fly For you on the Musical Connections podcast, the new fan releases second portion of it that is Learning to Fly with a little help from Chucky B. And our last new fan release of the week comes from our guest this week, Carolina East. Now, um, she released this song just last Wednesday, January the 25th, and she's working on a brand new album set to come out later this spring, and she'll tell us more about it once we get to uh, this brand new song from her. And following this, we will get to my conversation with Carolina. And uh, it's a wonderful tune. Here is I Will Love You on New Fan Releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast.
on there from Carolina East to wrap up newfound releases that is I Will Love You. And on the note of Carolina East, she is my guest this week as we are next to connect with her on the Musical Connections podcast. We talk about her advocacy with mental health, the indigenous community, and the deaf community. And uh, she is one of the first uh, performers here in the province to have ASL interpreters as part of her shows. We're also going to talk about her early career growing up in Brigus, South River, and also her time with Ocean Sky. And that fateful day, February 17th, 2015, 
where Alan Doyle invited her on stage and Carol Ann Fowler went up to sing Fast As I Can and that would be that transition going from Carol Ann Fowler, the cover artist, to singer-songwriter and songstress Carolina East. And we're also going to talk about the four albums that she worked on with Rob Wells and uh, a brand new album that's coming out sometime in the spring with Russell Broom. And uh, she's also going to be part of the Cavendish Beach Music Festival in PEI coming up in July. So we're going to talk all about that and so much more. So here's my conversation as we are next to connect with Carolina East. Alrighty, welcome back to the Musical Connections podcast. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and joining me right now, she's one of the biggest names here in Newfoundland and Labrador in the country music scene as of late. She has released four albums to her name, but uh, before she became uh, the performer we all know today, she uh, spent her career playing with Ocean Sky and uh, playing uh, the bars downtown. Before uh, one day in 2015, Alan Doyle invited her on stage, got her to sing Fast As I Can, and then... About eight years later, she's got four albums to her name and uh, many Musganelle Awards and ECMA Award nominations and Musganelle Award nominations to her name. And uh, if you haven't seen this woman play, please go and see her now because she can belt. <laughs> Joining me right now, it is Carol Ann Fowler. You may know her as Carolina East. Carolina, welcome to Musical Connections. Hi there, Zach. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And uh, it's a pleasure to finally get you on here. I mean, um, when I first wanted to do this podcast, uh, I wanted to interview as much people as I can from any genre. But um, uh, I've uh, interviewed a couple of folk musicians now, but uh, I think you're the first country artist I'm doing like a long interview for. So uh, thanks for coming on. My God, thank you for asking me. It's uh, Like I said, it's a pleasure. Happy to be here. And uh, happy to have you on here. Now, um, you've been a pretty busy lady lately. And... Um, you got a couple of projects on the go now, and you're working on a brand new album. Uh, how are things in the world of Carolina East right now? Oh my goodness, they're uh, it's really great. It's you know getting back to normal after the uh, the pandemic kind of hit the music scene pretty hard. But um, yeah, no things are going amazing. I I'm planning now for uh, like you said a release in the spring, and uh, I'm really excited to be doing a bunch of festivals this summer. Some in Newfoundland, and uh, I think that the, the the big dream maker for me is what I've always wanted to do. Uh, I'm going to be playing the main stage at the Cavendish Beach Music Festival at PEI. So I'm extremely stoked about that. Yeah. And um, when it comes to festivals here in the Maritimes, that is one of the big festivals. And I believe it's uh, one of the big country music festivals out there. Yeah, it is. I mean, they have an audience of 50,000 people um, oh a God. day, which is, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So. Um, right now, me and the band are in the process of developing the set for that and just practicing it over and over and over again. So we uh, we put off a, a show that's you know worthy for such a huge stage. It'll be the biggest stage I've ever been on, for sure. All right. And um, I'm so happy for you that you get to play on one of the biggest stages you've ever had the pleasure to play on. And um, I can't wait for you to... Uh, to uh, head on to that stage in July. Mm -hmm. Now, um, of course... Uh, we all know you uh, for your country music career so far as Carolina East, but um, mm -hmm. uh, you uh, originally played in a group called Ocean Sky, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to go back to, to uh, your uh, early life, because uh, uh, you were born in St. John's, but uh, you lived in Labrador for about six or seven years, and you grew up in a South River, uh, Brigus, around Exception Bay North area. So uh, what was life growing up uh, in uh, South River, Brigus, and uh, what drew you to music? You know, it's, it's funny because... Um 
you know, I grew up with a family on my father's side. Uh, music is everywhere. My my grandfather played. My grandmother used to sing. My dad was in bands growing up. Um, it was just, you know, every event that we had, there was, a you know, a good old-fashioned kitchen party. There was always music and, and guitars everywhere we went within the family. Um, that said, you know, I never really started singing until I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, and the reason for that was, uh, I was in a, a play at school. I was like, you know, I love doing, um, acting, which is interesting to me, but I love doing acting and I, I got this lead part in a play and in order for me to be the lead role, I had to sing. So I was like, okay, whatever. And I sang the part in the, in the play and then my music teacher, her name was Heather McDonald. She's that no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, she was like, my God, you're, you're really good. Like you should be singing more. And within, I think a couple of months at Ascension Collegiate Day, Robert, um, they used to have this auction every year in March. And, uh, the theme was St. Patrick's Day. So Irish music or Newfoundland music would be the go-to. And, uh, we put together Ocean Sky for that event. Just kind of just for fun, just thinking it w- would have been a one-off. Um, it was with myself, um, a gentleman named Andrew Mercer, Stephen Rowe. At one point, uh, Michael Powell is in it, or Rebecca Powell. Um, yeah, we just put that band together for a one-off, which eventually brought us to uh, George Street for a open mic night, which we won. And uh, then at 16, 17 years old, and you know, some were even younger than that, 15 and 14, we were playing down on George Street uh, almost every weekend. Wow. And we had to, uh, yeah, it was crazy. So between sets, we'd have to hide and like, we'd never be away from the bar. <clears throat> so we'd either be in like the janitor's closet or we could be upstairs in an office. There were times that we were in like a coat room. It was pretty cool. It was a really cool time of my life, actually. Um, I look back on those memories pretty fondly. Yeah. Now um, let's uh, stick with Ocean Sky for a second because that was really your first taste in the music scene, but more so in like the tr- the trad scene before you made that yep. move to country uh, in 2015, 2016. Uh, elaborate more about what the time in uh, Ocean Sky was like. Well, for me, mostly in Ocean Sky back then, I was um, I was a background singer, so I would be doing all the harmonies. But every now and then, I do like a you know a, like a song where I take the lead. But I found you know we were really successful and, and very successful at such a young age. Um, we traveled Newfoundland, Labrador, and Atlanta, Canada. We were, I mean, that was our summer jobs for us. Like we made a fortune for what we thought was a fortune because we were young and we were uh, consistently gigging. But eventually I found that as much as I love doing background vocals, um, I found that I wanted to kind of be, you know, up front and center a little bit more. And um, we stuck out, the band stuck out for about probably four or five years. And then eventually... Uh, I think Andrew moved away to BC and we all did our own thing. Uh, and that's when I became a cover artist downtown uh, in a cover band. I was the lead singer in a cover band for, oh my gosh, 18 years. I think I've been playing downtown or wow. 19 years up to the, yeah, up to the point where Carolina East was, uh, was invented. <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Now um, let's actually go to um, 2015, uh, February, 2015, Alan Doyle's playing a show, I don't know where it was too, but um, I remember uh, I seen this article on the CBC one day, and it was of you um, singing fast <laughs> as I can. And uh, when you yeah. first sang the first notes, well, the first hello you gave to me, and Alan's face was just like, 
Oh my goodness. I think we have a star <laughs> right in front of us here. Uh, what was that moment like going up on stage to uh, sing with Alan Doyle? Well, I mean, that was, that was really crazy. I've always really looked up to Alan Doyle and uh, even from like a very young age, he was, um, he was somebody that I kind of wanted to uh, emulate on stage with performance and feel and authenticity um, and humor. So I've always looked up to him quite a bit, and uh, I, I still do to this day. Um, that it, that was really interesting. That was at Holy Heart Theater, and uh, I, the, the story of this is, is quite funny. Um, it was around Christmas time, and I think it was Boxing Day to be exact. And uh, my mom makes this, you know, bucket of slush every year, like a lot of newcomer families do. And uh, we had gotten into the slush a little bit. And I was feeling, you know, that liquid courage had finally kicked in. And I sent a tweet. I don't even have Twitter anymore. But I sent a, a tweet to Alan Boyle. And I was like, you might not be ready to say you love me yet, but I'm ready to tell you. How about February, <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> How about February 17th at Holy Heart? And, uh, of course, you, you send those out, you don't ever expect to hear back. But within minutes, I would say less than five minutes, he wrote back and he's like, yes, totally, let's do it. And then I I was like, what? I kind of, like, ran around my house a little bit. And is he serious? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I really didn't know. I, I didn't know if it was going to happen or not. I just, like, okay, cool, he says it is. So anyway, I got tickets to the show, and uh, I had gotten it for Christmas. And this would have been almost two months later because it was, you know, Boxing Day is when I sent the tweet. And February 17th was the actual show. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went there with some friends and I didn't know if anything was going to come of it, if I'd actually get up or not. And, uh, you know, I was hopeful. Um, but I was also like, you know, not getting my hopes up. And then sure enough, he uh, he invited me up and it was, uh, it was really cool. It was probably... One of the coolest moments that'll stay with me forever. That was that was fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's crazy. And um, when you first heard about that, like uh, when when I, I I couldn't blame you for reacting the way you did uh, that night on Boxing Day because like it's <laughs> not just some nobody uh, replying to you. It's Alan freaking Doyle for crying out loud. I know, it's like the king of Newfoundland. <laughs> well, <laughs> the king of Newfoundland. Well, one of the most uh, commercially successful musicians to ever come out of this province, and it was part of uh, one of the most commercially successful bands to come out of this province in Great Big yeah. She. Um, he's one of the biggest names to uh, come out of the province of the 21st century. I would think so, yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of hidden gems here that, you know, there's people from here that we don't realize, but yeah, definitely. Um, and the benefit, I think, with, with Alan being at such a level that he's at, um, you know, musically, and even with his, uh, his acting, is that he stays true to Newfoundland and Labrador, and, and he's like the biggest ambassador for our province that there is. I mean, he's on a level right now professionally where um, he's, you know, he's toe to toe superstars all the time. Um, so I think that's a really beautiful thing. And, you know, I did another show with him in Halifax a couple of years ago. Um, I went up for um, the winter solstice or was it? Yeah, it was the winter solstice for uh, APTN. And um, we did a, we did a show together, um, a live taping. And the day before the show, we got together and had a rehearsal. And, you know, Alan Doyle is in a position where he could be very, he could, if he wanted to be, he could be very boastful and very hard, you know, hard to get along with and whatever. But that man is, is unreal. I, I showed up to this rehearsal. I was nervous. Um, he had cookies there that I loved just because he knew that, like, they have something here that you like. Soda water was there. I'm a soda water fan. Very, very kind and 
helpful through the rehearsal. It was just amazing. It's like every every experience I've ever had with him has been like ten out of ten. Like he's just such a wonderful human, and he's so he's so willing to help artists of all you know ages and all you know structures and all different levels to succeed. And that's a beautiful thing. I think that's that's something that I admire about him too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, let's actually uh, go to 2020 for just one quick second, Andy. You had him uh, as part of your uh, Home for the Holidays Christmas special virtually, yeah. which you uh, did in support of the Daffodil Place and uh, First Life Center for Performance and Creativity. And um, you also had uh, Alan Hocko, Quote the Raven, Mallory Johnson, and Fairgill as part of it. Um, well, members of Fairgill, I believe uh, it was Andrew Rogers and uh, Stephen Green as part yeah. of it. Um, what was that show like for you? So that was awesome too. I mean, that was the time when um, the whole world was shut down. So it was really the first time that I got together with, with my friends in, in a little while. Um, it was, it was for me, it was like, it was very weird too at the same time because, you know, just we couldn't get close to each other. We were all like, everybody was spaced out like seven or eight feet apart on the stage. It doesn't look like that in the video, but like we were all, we were all very far apart. Everybody was wearing masks when they weren't on the stage. It was very weird, but um, to have us all together and see like the, the like the, my friends come together. Alan Doyle was so willing to be a part of it. So was Alan Hocko. Uh, Quote the like he said, Quote the Raven. Stephen Green and Andrew Rogers were members of Fairgill, or are members of Fairgill, and they were there. Um, it was really nice to kind of, in a weird way, feel a little bit normal again. But it was also very weird. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. The show itself was deadly. It was very successful. Um, and the support from the uh, community, both in Newfoundland and Labrador and beyond, was uh, was pretty wild. So we were very lucky to be able to get back to, uh, to that place. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a wicked experience, I must say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to talk about First Life for a second because uh, they're uh, one of the be- uh, the big organizations here in Newfoundland and Labrador that are, you know, advocating and uh, helping out the Indigenous community in every uh, way, shape, or form. And uh, you have some Indigenous roots yourself as you've been nominated for uh, Indigenous Artists of the Year at Countless Music Anel or uh, East Coast Music Awards. Uh, uh, what are some of your roots uh, in the uh, Indigenous community, Carolina? Well, I didn't actually grow up knowing that that was part of my culture. Um where I'm from here, the, the, the indigenous side of the family is on my father's side. And uh, my father was born and raised, well, born in Placentia, but raised in Brigus. And, um, you know, unfortunately, back in the time when, when everybody was growing, or back in the time when he was growing up and his family were growing up, and, you know, my grandmother was, you know, raising her children, uh, it was almost viewed as a negative thing to be, uh, part of that culture mm-hmm. so it was hidden and, and unfortunately it was hidden and for us it was hidden for many many years uh, it's only recently within the last 10 to 12 years that we found out that we were a part of the, um, the Halibu Nation's um, tribe out there now unfortunately the other thing too is that um, we have family blood family, blood relatives from St. George's which is out near Cornerbrook Um my great grandfather was a very active member within the community, and he is in the museums and everything um, out there with the uh, the Mi'kmaq museum that they have. Mm-hmm. So, again, I've always found out about this within the last ten or twelve years, and I'm very proud of it. And I think it's the most beautiful culture, and that they have the most beautiful rituals and and um, you know all the clothing. It's just a very beautiful and very spiritual 
culture and I'm learning as much as I can every day about it. Um, I'm trying to learn the language as much as I can. I'm trying to learn some of the customs that uh, were prevalent here in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I know that there's a lot of people in Newfoundland and Labrador like me. Um, and a lot of times people are afraid to to search for the background because of potential backlash. Sometimes people feel as though you're you're doing this for untrue reasons, and and you know that couldn't be further from the truth for the majority of uh, of the population here. Um, I encourage anybody who thinks that they may have a bloodline um, associated with the, the Mi'kmaq here in Newfoundland and Labrador to do do the research uh, because it's a very beautiful thing. Zach, I can't even tell you what it's like to see the powwow at the Con River. It's just it's emotional. It's like it's it's just beautiful. The whole the whole culture, the the you know, the different um, ceremonies that they have, it's you know, it's beautiful. It's and I'm I'm happy to be a part of that um, and to learn. I have a lot to learn, but um, and I know we all do here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, but I'm ready and willing, and, and I'm very very proud to have that associated with that uh, with who I am. Absolutely. And uh, you're a great ambassador for the Indigenous community here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Another one uh, that's uh, really making a name in the country music scene right now is uh, Jason Benoit. And uh, he, yeah. he's, he's one Indigenous Artist of the Year uh, at the Music and L Awards and has been nominated yep. for uh, East Coast Music Awards in that same category as well. Like, how big of a deal is it for people like yourself and Jason to be, you know, ambassadors for the Indigenous community and getting the message of, uh, you know, Indigenous rights and uh, cultures out there to the public? I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing, but it uh, it definitely comes with its challenges. Um, you know, I've been nominated for, I think it's been 10 Indigenous um, awards based out of Winnipeg. Um, they used to have this event called the, um, oh, what was that called again? They, they would have like an award ceremony, but they, they would call it the Indigenous Awards. And uh, it was like, you know, for all different genres of music, because oftentimes people think that Indigenous music is just, the um, the cultural side of things, like the throat singing or the uh, the drumming and, and whatnot. No, that is a beautiful thing, and I encourage everybody to go listen to it. Mm-hmm. The talent that, that so many Aboriginal people have is absolutely mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Um, but there are more more genres, and I think um, it's important for people like myself and Jason and, and anybody else who's in the same you know situation as us to really show people that there are many different areas that we can uh, exceed in. There was recently an Indigenous artist who was, um, she was on the, the big screen at Dundas Square downtown Toronto with Amazon Music, and it was amazing. It was just absolutely amazing to see an Indigenous artist up there on that screen. And it, you know, inspired a lot of younger people as well as myself to keep, to keep going and to keep pushing through. Um, the challenge that I have, I can't speak for Jason, of course, but the challenge that I have is that I want you to call white presenting. Um, so I don't appear as though I have any, um, any background or any, uh, traits of somebody who, who is Aboriginal. So Uh oftentimes I find it a little bit more difficult to be taken seriously. Um, sometimes people feel as though, you know, I may be, uh, doing or saying that I'm indigenous for, um, some sort of accolade, which is couldn't be further from the truth. And I know a lot of people um, in my position have felt that way, or have mm. been, you know, they've been treated that way. And some, you know, there are people I'm sure who are have you know bad intentions, but that's certainly not the case for me and the majority of my peers. 
so I think it's just really important to show that we're all allies no matter what and uh, help you know keep pushing the, the indigenous music scene up and up and up and uh-huh. I'm, you're going to be floored I mean but the Junos are coming out uh, with their nominations soon and I'm I'm excited to see who's nominated this year in the, from the indigenous community and you know the, the caliber of the music that, that's coming out is toe to toe with anything that's top 40 so it's cool to see and it's also really cool to be a part of that yeah, absolutely. And um, when it comes to, uh, you know, respecting Indigenous uh, culture, the easiest thing yep. to do is say nothing and, you know, say something mean about it. Or yeah. the easy thing you can do as well is listen. And I think now it's slow but steady. Like, we're starting to uh, listen more about the stories that, you know, these Indigenous people have gone through. And especially, with you know, yep. the uproar, the uprising with uh, all those uh, uh, unmarked graves that were found in residential schools. Yep. Um it's a uh, it's it's a process, but uh, I'd say uh, it's getting better and better each day with uh, the amount of people that are you know starting to you know see and realize you know what these uh, indigenous people went through uh, growing up. Yeah, I mean, there's there's still a lot of work to be done, um, but it is it is a good starting point to to have things out into the media as much as they are these days. But there's also a lot of access, I think, to movies and literature that uh, that we should all be you know, taking in, reading the books, watching the movies, um, listening to the documentaries, and just really getting an understanding of the struggles that uh, have been somewhat ignored for so many years and centuries and decades. And um, we have a long way to go, but at at the same time, uh, it's nice to be able to advocate for the community in the position that I'm in as an artist. Um, I don't always have the answers, and I um, I don't always you know, say, maybe say the, the correct things, but um, I'm learning and I'm certainly willing to go find answers uh-huh. for people if, if there's something that they uh, they want to know that I that I don't know, I'll, I'll find the answer for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, your intentions are always good as well. And uh, ever since I've uh, known you, um, your intentions have, have always been good and you really care about um, the indigenous culture here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So um, I, uh, again, yeah, I I'm very proud of you that. for that. Thank you for saying that, Zach. I really appreciate that because um, sometimes it feels like an uphill battle. I really try to advocate for, um, you know, not not only just the, the indigenous uh, culture here and, and for Canada and the world, but uh, I'm also an advocate now for uh, the, the deaf and the hard of hearing people, um, as well as, you know, anybody like the youth and the anybody really suffering with any mental health issues. I'm, I'm trying to, to be an advocate for that as well. I just feel like, you know, we're on this earth and we should leave it better than we found it. So that's been my, my mantra for, for a lot of things. Exactly. And given the position, of, yeah, and in the platforms that I have, I feel like I'm in a position where if I can help just one person, then it's, you know, it's worth it. That's what I'm here for. Amen to that. Now, <laughs> I want to go back to uh, that transition from, uh, you know, Caroline Fowler to uh, Carolina East um, and really the process of, you know, building this uh, – stage name and the presence that you have uh, on the stage as Carolina East. Um, how did you settle with the name, uh, stage name Carolina East? I guess when, like, when it first came to light, um, like, I, I never really intended on being a, a singer-songwriter, writing my own music. I just thought that, you know, I'd work my, my day job and then I'd be a, a cover artist on the weekends and in the evenings. Um, but I quickly got really bored of that. Like, I'd be playing a gig downtown and I'd be watching football on the, uh, on the TV, just like in the back of the room or something. 
Um, or I'd be watching, like, reading the Friends uh, subtitles that were on the Friends episode that was on the TV. And I realized that I was starting to lose something that I had so much joy for. Um, so then I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder if I should, like, start writing my own music and whatnot. But it, I threw it into my mind. I was like, I ah, forget it. Anyway, then I got hired with Music and L. And um, I worked with them in 2017 to 2018. And um, I was like the stage coordinator, which was great. And I, and Rob Wells came in and his, uh, his wife, Shola, they were uh, keynote speakers for the weekend. They were helping people with songwriting sessions and whatnot that was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so funny how it happened because this one night there was a bunch of, like, there was a bunch of things going on all through Bonavista and we were like, Oh my goodness, there's nobody at the, no, nobody's manning the open mic. So I was like, yeah, I don't worry about it. I'll run in. I'll go deal with it. So I ran over to the open mic that was going on. And as I walked in, everybody was like, you know, cheering. They wanted me to get up and sing. I was like, I'm really too busy for this, but okay, whatever. So I got up on stage. It was me, Kelly Loader and Dan George. And we got up on stage and I mean, we must've sang for, what should have been two or three songs. I think we were there for like an hour and 10 minutes. Oh just my like, God. Everybody, yeah, it was crazy. Everybody's having a great time dancing and, you know, just, and Rob and Shoba were there. So when I got down, Rob and Shoba was like, listen, we need, we need to, we need to work together. I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and, um, he was just like, you know, I'm really impressed with your singing. I haven't heard, I don't hear many voices like that. Um, let's talk. And I was like, okay. And I just, I've heard that so many times over the years where people are like, we need to work together and it never comes to fruition. So I was kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, we'll see what happens. But he kept in touch with me forever. And um, I remember I was playing a couple of weeks later, I was playing a gig down at Bianca's. Bianca's used to be a, like a restaurant down on Water Street in St. John. Mm-hmm. And uh, one side was a restaurant and the other side was like a jazz bar. Um, and they had like fancy wines and, you know, it was just like a nice, it was a nice place to go to just, have a have dinner and then go have a drink and you know go home so um i was there i used to play there every friday and saturday with um a gentleman named steve edwards i'm not sure if you're familiar with him but he uh he's a piano player from here he's no longer in new zealand he's in the u.s somewhere and uh while we were singing uh a gentleman came in and i've seen him around before um but i had never really been introduced to him but he came in and he said you know um, I really like you. Can you sing? If you sing Don't Stop Believing, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I'm like, okay, no problem. Oh, wow. So we did, I know. So we did Don't Stop Believing, and he's like, here's a hundred dollars. I can't, I can't take that. Like, well, you know, it's, I appreciate it, but I can't take that. And he's like, yep, yeah, well, just for saying that, I'm going to give you $200. So he put 200 bucks into the jar, and afterwards he spoke to me and said, like, I think you're really talented. I want to dip my toe into the music industry. Um, let me know if you ever need any help. Let's, let's do something together. So that was Brian Ramjetton, Dr. Brian Ramjetton, and that, a beautiful man, like philanthropist here in Newfoundland, Labrador, in Canada. Like that man is unreal. Mm-hmm. So I kind of gave it some thought, and about a month or two passed, and you know, Rob, Rob was still messaging me, and I said, okay, well, I'll talk to, I'll talk to Brian. And I went and I, I had a meeting with him, and he, the rest is history. Here we are now. Uh, Caroline East was actually um, made by came, Rob Wells is the man who came up with that name. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, so I worked in an industry where I couldn't really put my own name out there, um, just for safety reasons. Uh, and, exactly. um, yeah, so he was like, okay, well, 
Um, and not, not to do with the music industry, it's just to do with my, my day job that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, uh, let's do Caroline East because it's like Caroline and East Coast. I was like, okay. So that was it. That was the inception of Caroline East. And, and here we are now. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Now, um, you've also worked on uh, him with, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll just list the names that he has worked with. Of course, he has worked with one of Newfoundland's finest uh, duos to come out of the province over the past uh, few years or so and quote The Raven. He's also worked yeah. with the likes of Olivia Newton-John, The Backstreet Boys, Ariana Grande, and Justin Bieber. That is a who's who of uh, <laughs> some of uh, the best uh, performers to come out of music ever. And... Uh, Rob Wells just chose uh, this uh, this uh, complete stranger from uh, Brickus, and uh, you've worked on him with four albums. I mean, you worked on a self-titled yeah. one, Home for the Holidays, Crossroads, and the most recent one you released in 2021, Soaked in Whiskey. Um, what's it like working with uh, Rob Wells? Uh, that man is beyond talented, and um, so is Shoba. I mean, their, their, their ability as songwriters and producer is, is otherworldly. Um, it was really, really cool. It was scary because, you know, when I first started, I got on a plane to Toronto all by myself the first time. And, uh, that was a little bit scary. And wow. Toronto airport is a little daunting when you, when you're there alone, but, oh, yeah. um, they quickly, you know, made me family. Um, and Rob is the epitome of being able to create magic. Like, you know, you look at, you see videos all the time of these like big, like, massive studios with all these soundboards and all these guitars and all these like, you know, fancy thousand-dollar microphones and whatever. Um, but Rob is able to get that, you know, that same sound with just a little tiny. His his studio is probably the size of, of a maybe like a closet. It's not very big. You wouldn't be able to fit it in there. It's oh, so small. Wow. I know, and the vocals are done literally in a closet with a sliding door. Um, and a $250 microphone. So that man's ability to get a true vocal is absolutely unbelievable. Um, it, was, uh, it was quite eye-opening and very cool, um, very cool to be part of. And I'm sure we'll work together again at some point. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And uh, just the amount of uh, detail that goes into his work and uh, the sound that he uh, made uh, for you and uh, forming that country pop sound that we've all uh, become accustomed to, um, it's pretty amazing to see and amazing to hear as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. I'll never forget the first song that we, uh, the first song we ever recorded was monster. And, um, it was like, I don't know. The whole process was very, very bizarre to me. It was just like, you know, you'd go in and you'd sing one line six times, then you go on to the next line. And, you know, it took a while, but once he did his magic, he kicked you out of the studio. Then once your vocals are done and then he would like do vocal surgery, which is called comping and um put it all together and maybe like two hours three hours later he called me downstairs and he he sat me down in the chair where you get the best down because it you know the speakers are positioned specifically for optimum uh sound mm-hmm. and i remember like from the first three lines that i sang i just started to cry because i never heard myself like that before wow. i never i've never really had a good representation of what was coming out of my mouth and when I heard this music coming back at me, it was like everything I had been searching for. I had this newfound inspiration that had built up, and, and I just wanted to succeed again. Um, it was it was something, something I'll never forget, for sure. 
Yeah, that is absolutely wonderful. Uh, now, you're actually working on your uh, new album with uh, Russell Broom. Uh, I believe I got the name right, correct? No, it's Russell Broom. Yeah, uh, did I say Russell Bloom or Broom? I think you said Room. Oh, Room. <laughs> oh, God. God. <laughs> but Russell Broom is uh, who you're working on your uh, fifth studio album with. And uh, just going over the names here, uh, one of the big ones here is uh, Canada's own Jan Arden. And she'll be stopping by the province uh, in February to play a few shows here. And um, Jan Arden is uh, one of the big names that really influences your music. Uh, how has oh, your yeah. crusade been uh, to sing with Jan Arden been going? Because you've been uh, very uh, open about this on social media. Jan Arden, please sing well, with me. I'm, <laughs> I want to sing with you. Please. I I know it's uh yeah I mean we're still working towards it and there's still time so who knows what'll happen but uh you're not wrong when you say that she's one of my um one of my like uh she might be like the top idol that I have um really look up to her I right back from when I was a kid because we looked at this artist who um was extremely talented very true and authentic and and sang how she felt and and you know, she dressed how she wanted to dress and, and didn't um, try to stick it to the north. Because back in the day, like, you, you had to be a certain look or a certain style. Um, so she really inspired me to keep going, and she still does to this day. Um, I don't know what I'll do when I meet her, because I will at some point. I think I'll, uh, I'm going to have to have, like, a Harry Styles moment probably and just, like, cry to be one of those people. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Because uh, like uh, that moment of Coachella last year where Harry Styles got to sing with Shania Twain, he had a moment. It was like, oh, my God, I am singing with Shania Twain. And then uh, say if uh, Jan Arden comes on and sings with you, I was like, oh, my God, I'm singing with Jan Arden. Oh, my God. I, I can only hope that that will happen. It will happen. Right, Zach? It's going to happen. Fingers crossed. And uh, hopefully uh, you, can pull some, you can pull some strings to make that happen. And uh, I'll be exactly. super happy for you uh, when it does happen. Now, um, yep. uh, now for some... Um, You've been uh, pretty uh, open about uh, your uh, battle with uh, mental health, and um, you've uh, deal with uh, uh, severe anxiety. Um, so, and especially with the COVID nineteen pandemic uh, over the past few years, uh, performers like yourself and um, like uh, the Ennis Sisters and Quote the Raven, you guys weren't really touring or playing whatsoever, and that really doesn't help matters when it comes to dealing with an anxiety. I mean, myself, I, I have autism spectrum disorder, and uh, just being stuck in the house, not doing anything is brutal. And uh, especially uh, coming out now, the emergency phase of the pandemic, we're seeing a rise of mental health uh, mm -hmm. problems emerge. Uh, so with your platform and, uh, you know, being a starter you are, uh, how important is it for you to, you know, open up about mental health? Well, for me personally, like, obviously, I have, like, I'm very open about my anxiety. I always have been. Um but when I look back on when I was a teenager, when I was a young child, um, I don't remember there ever being, I, I've never heard the word anxiety back then. Um, I never heard of anybody who had suffered with that. Uh, so it was something that was obsolete to me when I started feeling the way that you feel when you're, when you have anxiety. Uh, a lot of times people associate being nervous with anxiety. Like if you're nervous about a disappointment or if you're nervous about, getting up on stage and, you know, saying a poem, um, these things that that's anxiety when it's really not like that at all. So it was really my, again, it was one of the things that I really wanted to push um, on my platform was to just let people know that they're not alone, that there are people who feel the same as they do. And for whatever reason, when I'm up on stage, my anxiety goes away. And that's when I feel 
normal, you know, mm. quote unquote, whatever that is. Oh, what but, is normal? Um, I know what is normal, but like otherwise, my mind is racing. I'm thinking about things that may never happen or, or whatever. So, yeah, I, I really try every time and every opportunity that I get to uh, to talk about anxiety and, and other mental health issues that uh, that are really prevalent in our community. And I find the pandemic. Uh, when it first started, it really amped up my anxiety to a level that was almost unmanageable. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it was it was really crazy for the first for the first year or two. Uh, the first year, especially, I was like, you know, I was paralyzed with fear, um, and I had a lot of really weird worries that shouldn't have been um, on my mind. It was just a really dark time in my life, and um, I don't ever want anybody to feel like that. So. Oh, no. It's important for me. No, it's really important for me to uh, to discuss uh, mental health issues and any opportunity that I can. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, especially uh, last week. Uh, so today we're recording this. Uh, a couple of uh, days ago, uh, it was Bell Let's Talk Day. But of course, uh, when it comes, like uh, find, I find it ironic when it comes to Bell Let's Talk Day too. Um, they uh, raised all this money for mental health programs and initiatives, and then they go off and lay off two hundred people over at TSN. And um, you want to talk about uh, improving uh, mental health uh, programs when you go and lay off a bunch of people. But anyways, I'm going on a bit of a rant here. But it, it no, shouldn't it's, just be, it's it, true. Yeah, but it shouldn't just be included to one day. You should open up uh, whenever you can. And uh, with the platform that you do have, Carolina, um, I'm very happy for you. I'm very proud of you that you're willing to, you know, open yourself up and let people know that they are not alone, that there is help out there. And there's support that uh, uh, can, that can be there for you if you need it and when you need it too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I find that, um, you know, a lot of times when I'm on stage, I'll, um, and I think you've been witness to some of this sometimes where, Oh yeah. Um, I'll make a joke about, Oh my goodness, I'm sweating so much right now. And this is because of, you know, the fact that I'm on Zoloft and Zoloft makes you whatever. Like I'm very open with all the things that I feel. And it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else's anxiety will feel the same way, uh-huh. but it's possible. Um, and it kind of gives people a little bit more of a an understanding and more willingness to uh, to search out uh, treatment options if that's something that they need. And treatment could be anything from counseling to medication to um, you know whatever therapy. It could be it's different for everybody, but there's always uh, there's always options to help with uh, with various mental health issues that that people need to be made aware of. Yes, and it's that awareness and acceptance that really. Uh where I think we're starting to get well, more and more comfortable with uh, when it comes to uh, mental health. Because again, when it came to the COVID-19 pandemic, I think everyone's mental health went in the gutter. But um, yeah, hopefully yeah. now there's more awareness and acceptance to the fact that like, hey, uh, normal doesn't exist and uh, we're all weirdos. So um, yeah. we, we all just, and but being weird is being yourself too. And uh, um, that's really something I think now we're starting to accept now more than ever. Yeah, and it's, you know, you, you just reminded me of something. I think I've even said this to you before um, when we've uh, been at various events together. Yeah. There's time when my anxiety is at a, like a, a high and um, it happens even now, like, you know, still at this point, even though I'm, I'm you know, taking treatment for it. Um, and when my anxiety is at a level, you know, probably like seven or above, I become like I go on this thing called fight or flight and I almost seem like I'm, I don't know what word to use, like annoyed or unkind yes. because I'm talking to you, like I could be talking to you or anybody and, and I just want to get out of there. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. And I'm rushing the person off 
So oftentimes, and I've explained this to you a bunch of times too, and, and know anybody that I speak at, speak with when I'm feeling that way, where I'm just saying like, you know, I really apologize and feeling, um, I'm feeling really anxious right now and I don't really think that I'm, you know, dismissing you. Um, and I think that now people are getting an understanding of how anxiety works in that sense too, because they know with me anyway, because that's, I'm very open about how I'm feeling at the time, just so I don't, I don't hurt anyone's feelings. Oh, no, no. You know? And you've never and been, I don't, yeah, you've never been that person either, Carolina. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Cause I'm like, again, I'm very open. Like if I'm, I, I've said it to you before, I'm like, Zach, listen, I'm super anxious right now. Like, uh, I, I apologize for coming off some kind of way. So it's, it's just important to keep talking about it and let people know that, um, you know, there's, there's so many variations of anxiety or, or depression or, you know, whatever mental health issues that you feel at the time. Yeah. And I'm actually going to give a shout out here to Rosemary Lawton. Cause, uh, uh, over the course of the late 2022, she uh, fell into a anxiety and depression spell, and uh, she's uh, managed to get some treatment for that as well. So uh, yeah. I'm very happy that, you know, musicians like yourself and Rosemary Lawton are willing to open up about your anxiety and and uh, uh, get the help they need to, to treat it as well. and Or not treat it, but manage it. Yeah, manage it for sure. And I mean, there's going to be times when, no matter what, um, when your anxiety or, or, you know, depression can peak in, a little bit or a lot. And, uh, it's just a matter of learning the tools, um, to combat that when it does. I'm not perfect. Far from it. Um, I still have a lot to learn when it comes to my anxiety, but, uh, it definitely, it definitely is getting better for sure. A hundred percent. Now, um, one of the things that you have done, uh, when it comes to, uh, your, uh, your shows is if you included ASL interpreters on stage, because, uh, a couple of months ago, uh, your father, uh, lost his hearing. And um, you were really one of the first uh, people here in the province to uh, have an ASL interpreter as part of your uh, your performances. So uh, will this be part of your shows going forward? And do you hope to see more artists doing uh, this sort of thing? Well, so yeah, I mean, the story about uh, the story about that was, you know, my dad has uh, hearing loss, seventy uh, percent in his right ear, eighty in his left, which is significant. Oh wow! Um, it's it's quite significant. Like without his hearing aids, he barely hears anything. Um, he wouldn't hear the phone ring next to him. You know, it would, it's very, very daunting to hear what he hears without his hearing aids. So when he was fitted for his hearing aids at Quality Care with uh, Krista Hearn, she's an angel on earth and her team are angels on earth. Um, the first thing he heard was one of my songs and he just got so emotional. And um, we all got very emotional. Myself and my mom were there. Uh, Krista, her team, everybody started to just cry. And um, it was at that moment that dad said, Carolyn, I haven't heard you sing in 10 years. Like, I haven't really heard you sing in 10 years. Um, it was at that moment that I was like, man, how many other people are like this? Or what about people who are, you know, completely deaf? And, and how are they, it's sad that they're not able to take in events and shows and plays and, you know, whatever the case may be, because they can't hear. Um, so then I started to do some digging. And I found this this uh, company called Triangular Communication, and um, they were going to be at an event that I was playing at in Ochre Pit Cove. It was the Ochre Pit Cove Festival, and they do music and, and book reading. So Ochre Pit Cove had Triangular Communications there, and that's the ASL company that um, they do all the sign language with the government uh, when they're aired on TV or social media. Mm-hmm. So... We go out to Ultra Pit Cove, and I'd sent her my music probably three or four weeks prior. And um, I never really thought much of it. I just, you know, this is kind of cool. 
But once it started to, once we did the show and she, her and her team, I think there were three of them, they used to take turns. Once they started interpreting the show and I could see that there were four or five um, deaf people in the audience who were so riveted and they were laughing and everybody else was laughing and they were with us the whole, from the start to the finish of this show, they were with us. And they, they clapped when everybody else clapped. They laughed when everybody laughed. They cried when everybody cried. And I actually, at the end of the show, started to cry myself. <laughs> and because it was just such a beautiful thing. And I was thinking of my father and how, you know, the hearing aids that he had changed his life. And now these people are here taking in my music. And I've never, it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. Oh, so yeah. from then onwards, it was beautiful, Zach. I can't even express to you. So now moving onward, I said, you know what? We need to have ASL interpreters at shows. Why aren't there? And um, I did a show a couple weeks later at George Street, and I was the first artist in Flan Labrador to have ASL on the George Street stage. Um, there were people from the deaf community there. I received so many beautiful letters and emails and Instagram messages from the deaf community. Um, they were so happy to be included, and they enjoyed the show, and they would laugh when um, you know, it, it was just, it was so beautiful to see this. So then I was like, well, we got to come up with some sort of pool of money so our other artists can avail of this. Because there's no reason not to. Um, the downfall is that it's a very expensive thing to include into your shows. Mm -hmm. Very worth it because, you know, the ASL interpreters have to re, they kind of need to like, how do I word this? I guess when they like, when you hear my song coping, for example, what you hear and how it's interpreted by ASL, which is its own language is completely different. So what the ASL interpreters have to do is take the song apart and then put it back together in their language, but also make sure that they emote all the same emotions from the music to what they, what they have um, created with the ASL language. So it's a very long process. But very worth it. So that's why right now we're trying to come up with uh, some sort of pool of money that artists can avail from to uh, to have this included at their shows. I'm also trying to encourage uh, the government of New Smyrna, Labrador, to um, include these pots of money for ASL for all the festivals through New Smyrna, Labrador. Um, once I conquer New Smyrna, Labrador, then I'm going to try uh, Atlanta, Canada, and so on. So I think it's uh, it's a small step, but you know we keep moving forward with that as well. That's wonderful, and uh, you're really like leading the way when it comes to uh, like bringing like a, a new crop of uh, attendees, but like not really a, a new crop, but a crop that's really been forgotten about. Because uh, say if, if you're going to a concert and uh, you are deaf, you can't really hear it. So having an ASL interpreter on stage, it really is a huge deal and is a big step forward to uh, acceptance uh, in that case. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole. I mean. Artists should look at it in, in that way as well, but there's also, there's a whole category of people who have not been going to shows because, you know, what's the point of going and spending $50 plus to go see a show that doesn't accommodate your needs? And in my opinion, there's no excuse to that. I think that we all have the ability to uh, be inclusive to everybody and it's just a matter of making it happen. And um, I am, uh, yeah, again, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm pushing towards. I'm doing a, a songwriter circle at uh, the end of February. The details aren't out on there yet. And ASL will be there for me, with me for that. Um, and uh, the ECMA showcase is taking place in May. Um, I'm going to also encourage that. Uh, I'm going to have them at my sets, but 
I'm also going to encourage the uh, East Coast Music Association to avail of ASL as well for uh, for the hard of hearing community. That is wonderful. Now, um, on the ECMA note, congratulations on your uh, nomination for uh, Artist Innovator of the Year. And, uh, Thank you. It's great to uh, and uh, congratulations to all 58 nominees for the East Coast Music Awards from Newfoundland and Labrador. Words cannot describe how proud I am of this uh, little rock and little mighty rock. Uh, I know that uh, that's really a, a small music scene, not compared to like say uh, Nova Scotia, who of course leads the way with about uh, I think it was 80 nominations. But the fact that we're set right behind them with 58, it goes to show how much uh, the music scene of Newfoundland and Labrador has really uh, you know taken a hold of, of Atlantic Canada over the past uh, three years, and that really goes uh, to show. How hard uh, Rhonda Tolkien, Sarah Newell, Mariana Castro, and the rest of Music and Elle have worked to, you know, get our music heard uh, out on a bigger stage. Oh, for sure. And I think the uh, the music that's coming out of here now is undeniable. Um, the production levels of the majority of the uh, the artists here in Newfoundland and Labrador is, again, it's on par with the, uh, the top 40 in the world. So that's also a contributing factor. And the fact that we get the financial support that we need from Arts NL, Music NL, um, you know, Canadian Arts Council, et cetera. I mean, that all really, that's all really amazing and positive. And, and I think um, from my from my perspective, um, over the years, it just keeps, you know, the it just keeps getting higher and higher. Everybody is just, you know, succeeding. And I think Newfoundland is kind of grabbing onto the fact that if one of us succeeds, we all succeed. Um and I, I, you know, before it's been very much like we were all competitors, but in the, uh, in the country music scene here, I can tell you that myself, Valerie Johnson, Dustin Fancy, Jason Benoit, um, just to name a few, like we're all rooting for each other. We're all like helping each other with, uh, with shows. Um, you know, we're performing in each other's shows. It's just like, it's really nice to see that community working together as well. Absolutely. Now, um, you got some new projects on the go uh, as well. Uh, I believe uh, your work, you recorded two Jan Arden songs. I believe it's Insensitive and Good Mother. And you recorded yeah. videos for them uh, not too long ago. So um, uh, how are those projects coming along, too? And what else are you working on? Well, the videos for um, Insensitive and Good Mother, they'll be out relatively soon. I'd say within the next week or two. Um, I also have uh, two studio versions of those songs that I'm going to be releasing. Um, they were recorded with Russell Broome as well, um, who is also Jan's producer. Um, I also have um, I also have a record coming out in the spring um, with a couple of co-writes uh, with Mallory Johnson and Jordan Coker with Raven. Um, and I also have another song coming out called Unlucky, with, uh, which is a co-write with Stephen Green and Chris Curry. So. There's lots of really cool stuff on the horizon, and I'm hoping to get all that out before the uh, the busy summer season starts, which is also looking like it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool stuff uh, coming down the pipeline for sure. Yeah, and I actually got to hear some of those songs at a music celebration week in Cornerbrook back in October, and I can't wait to hear studio versions of those songs when they do come out. So uh, I'm really excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to share those with you. They're um, they're a little bit different than what I've been releasing previously, but uh, they're, they're really cool, so I'm excited to get it out. Now, um, uh, before we wrap up here, uh, what else is next for uh, Carolina East? Well, you know, um, just preparing to get these. I'm still in the studio. Um, preparing to get these records out. I cannot wait to do Cabinet Beach Music Festival. Um, we're going to be heading to the ECMAs in May. Um, I've got a whole pile of new merchandise that's coming out soon. 
and I guess I just really want to keep advocating for the, uh, the deaf and hard of hearing community, um, the indigenous community here in Newfoundland, Labrador, and Canada. Um, and also, I want to be an advocate for mental health for my peers and also uh, for fans and just people who, who generally suffer with uh, with any type of mental health issue. I just want to keep, um, you know, I just want to keep being positive and, and keep helping as much as I possibly can. Well, Carolina East, thank you so much for coming on the Musical Connections podcast. It's a pleasure to get to know more about you and, uh, you know, see all the hard work that you're doing, uh, not just for the mental health, Indigenous and uh, ASL communities, but uh, what you're doing now in the country music scene, uh, it's such a joy to watch. So, Carolina East, thank you so much once again for joining me on the Musical Connections podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, this certainly won't be the last time we'll have you uh, on the podcast. Oh my gosh, I'll come back anytime. Zach, thank you so much for the chat. And uh, I can't wait to see you again. I'll see you soon, I'm sure. Always a pleasure to chat with Carolina East. Thank you to her for joining me on the Musical Connections podcast. And this song right now we're going to play for you is a standard at her shows from her album Crossroads. This is Coping on the Musical Connections podcast. I'm sad to be drinking To this not so happy occasion It's not like I wanna be smoking again But I'm alone and heartbroken Against my will Cause you up and left home in what seemed like a second My whole world turned small town And flipped right upside down I can't sugarcoat it When I'm asked how's it going I'm coping Forever but for now I'm checking out Yeah, that's how I'm coping I'm not trying to stop you Cause if it's not alright It's a no use Tell me something that I don't know already like what was the point of all this anyway and don't wipe my tears away cause with them goes some of the pain you heal in your time and I Forever but for now I'm checking out Yeah, that's how I'm going 
For this episode of Musical Connections, a huge thank you to Caroline Fowler, otherwise known as Carolina East, for joining me on the Musical Connections podcast this past week. Also, make sure to uh, subscribe to Musical Connections on Apple Music or Spotify, and make sure to leave a comment there while you're at it, as it helps out the show a lot. And uh, a reminder once again, Musical Connections episodes will now drop every Tuesday at 12 noon at Newfoundland Standard Time, so make sure you stay tuned to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. For more Musical Connections episodes. And for newfound releases, that'll cover uh, Sunday to Saturday for whatever that week the episode drops. So once again, stay tuned to my social media for all of that. And thank you so much for connecting this week. As always, I've been your host, Zach Snow. Stay safe and please be kind to one another. And until next time, safe home. Oh, 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 oh,